Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Our next guest is an actor and comedian. He was the second longest running cast member on Mad TV. He was in the film Jerry Maguire and The Pest. It is Aerie Spears. What's up, young man? What's up, baby? How you doing, man? Good to see you. Thank you for having me, brother. Um, Dia, before we get into this, uh, can I say something real quick? Sure, of course. Uh, okay. Uh, you know, I'm 45 years old, so... I'm not up. I'm not up on all the latest lingo. Right. Like I never knew <laughs> until recently what thought meant. Bay, no cap, uh, lit. But a lot of people have been hitting me up on Instagram, going, "Hey man, we want to give you your flowers now." And I'm like, "Damn, am I fitting to die?" <laughs> <laughs> like, I found well, you know this. This <laughs> celebrate you while you're still here. So, Dion, I want to give you your flowers. No, now. no, don't put yeah, that shit on me, niggas. No, I'm all right. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I want to. I want to say thank you for having me. Uh, and as I've always told you, I think you're one of the smartest, most intellectual comics of this generation, uh, because you and Joe Tory made me tighten up my game. People got to understand there's levels to this comedy shit, and being funny is one thing, but like Jordan, there's levels to your skill. So being able to do crowd work, being able to do uh, uh, blue comedy, clean comedy, depressions, voices, and you and Joe Torrey are two of the coldest niggas when it comes to eating hecklers up, chewing them up, and spitting them out. So you <laughs> made me tighten up my game. Good, man. Those are nice flowers. <laughs> yeah. That's really yeah. nice. Better than the one when they sing in uh, the upper room. I bet it's better than that. Um, so, so, uh, you know, I've always had a, a great amount of respect for you. And yeah. recently, um, I, I don't, well, people were hitting me because I didn't really, I didn't really take my umbrage to it, but I posted something that Mike Epps uh, sent. Reposted. Uh, reposted something that Mike Epps yeah. sent. And um, basically, you had a, a bit of a, well, it was a, it was a quandary as to why I would post something like that. So basically, Mike Epps, 
was talking about a situation where the young man was killed, and I think in Indianapolis, and uh, he said, you know, we have to stop killing each other. So that basically, words to the effect that that we were killing each other, so they kill us. And you took, which I is a sentiment that I totally disagree with. Uh, but you took umbrage to the fact that it was pay- posted on my page, right? Well, yeah, because I I, I was shocked, and I and I said to myself, as, as as intelligent as DL is, I know he caught that. So if he caught that, why would he repost that? Right. And that was just a head scratcher to me, right? Because I felt it was a very dangerous message to try to put out there. And as I've said adamantly, I agree with Mike. Black people, we need to stop killing each other. We need to do better. But those are two separate conversations. They, they, they definitely to somehow are. insinuate, yes, and trying to somehow insinuate that cops kill us because they see us kill us is just flat out asinine. It is. Uh, because history has shown us that they've been killing us way before black on black crime was ever a thing, a right. la the movie Rosewood, a la Black Wall Street, Elise Neal. A woman right. who you've worked with right. actually hit me up in confusion, like, what's this about right. hearing my name? Right. So I just let her know, sweetie, I'm not I'm not disrespecting you. I just brought up Rosewood as an example because right. she was in the movie. Right. So, you know, back when black people were well to do, a tight knit community, we loved and we respected each other. We would often, you know, be hung in our Sunday's best while we wore our Sunday's right. best seven days a week. Right. You know, we were thriving, we had our own businesses. You know, there wasn't black on black crime. We were respectful of one another and they still did what they did. Right. So to somehow put that message out there, right. I just think is a dangerous narrative for white police officers to hide behind their bigotry. I, I yeah. think that you're absolutely right. And I and I had that conversation with listen to me, I think that that is a sentiment that is more dangerous than the phrase nigger. I think that it is probably uh if you if you utter a phrase like that every time something happens then you are tantamount to at least sign, you, you. You might as well sign your name uh, on, on the death certificate because you have been some ways complicit because that is that's absolutely what they say. But I want to be clear. Uh, I reposted uh, the sentiments of a man that I respect and love. Uh, and I'm I not, got that. I'm not. I'm not. Like, look, you don't have to. I don't have to be beholden to your perspective. I don't have to agree with your perspective. But, you know, it's, it's interesting because I, 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 I don't want to be that evocative where I only hear what I want and, and, and repost the things that I like because some things are about conversation. And you and I, I've never seen myself as a leader, never portrayed myself as a leader, never acted like one, never asked for the gig. I'm not here to correct speech. I'm here to tell you exactly how I feel about things. I think that, to your point, you're absolutely right. I think... That phrase, there was a cat named Warner uh, uh, Saunders, Warren Saunders who wrote a, a, a piece in the Chicago Defender in 1970 where he was talking about a young man who was a pimp and who preyed on his people. And he coined the phrase black on black crime. But later on in that same article that people, you know, the phrase they got, but later on in that same article, he alluded to the fact that people alluded to the fact that it was systematic people who were systematic oppression of people who were in a ge- geographic area. So people who had been, what was I, I can't recall the phrase uh, exactly, but it talked about how people in a place, because the, the biggest indicator, the biggest predictor of crime is not race or ethnicity, it's poverty. The fact that so many black people live in impoverished places, I, I challenge anybody to show me a place that's poor and safe. 
because that's just generally don't go together. But I think you are right in that I think that phrase is very deadly, deadly and I think that you do have a responsibility. But I just I, my gig is not to tell people how to think. I just that's well, not I, my I thing. Don't, I don't I don't I don't think your gig is to tell people how to think. But let me backtrack. When you say you're not a leader, now are we leaders to the extent of a Medgar Evers, a Martin Luther King, or a Malcolm X? Th- those are the those are the icons of leadership. But like the movie Spider Man, when Uncle Ben said to Peter Parker, "With great power comes great responsibility," sure. and you have an outlet, right. you have a platform sure. and a voice that a lot of people don't have. Sure, I have that same voice and that same platform, as does Mike. So I think we should. While we're not iconic leaders, I think people listen to you. I think they listen to me, and I think they listen to Mike. And if somehow what we say helps you, influences you, guides you, I think we be, we got to be careful about what we say. But see, I think that's, for at least to me, on the outside looking into this conversation about, you know, what you guys posted, my thing is this from my perspective as just the regular person who might go through and see the page. I think it's important that you know, you do have these types of conversations. So if you post something that perhaps you don't necessarily agree with everything, but it is a talking point, I think the problem with us uh, in the past decade or two, actually, maybe more than that, is that we're not talking. And people who do have a major platform, such as yourself, as DL, we need to have these conversations. And we would never know that there is a disagreement and how to harmonize and get on the same page so that we all can collectively... Come but to it's some a misnomer agreement. to believe but that we have to come to. Let me. I'm just gonna say that it's a misnomer that we have to come. The the greatest thing that ever happened happened because of dissent. Some of the greatest accomplishments that we ever made, of the greatest strides for, will happen because of dissent. I my you're right to your point. I do have a platform. You have a platform. Mike has a platform. My only obligation, in my estimation, is to be as truthful from my perspective as I can be, and to allow someone else to have a perspective that they equally uh, attach to and that they have a different perspective of, because it is arrogant and foolhardy to believe that I have the answers and that I am am right. And, and to your point, I've never said, that the only thing I'm a leader of in my estimation is, is from my perspective, is what I believe, what I know. The only thing I'm an expert at is my beliefs. And everything else is just a guess. And so um, you're a cat who I've watched grow, like not just comedically, but as a human being. And I think you've you've had some ups and downs, and that has only kind of sharpened and honed and shaped your experiences. But And I, and I, and I love the fact that you are now, um, not even just now, but now you have uh, this idea of the way that things should be and ought be. Uh, that isn't happening, and you you take umbrage to that, but I just I I don't feel as as if I am entitled to tell people how they should think. Well, again, I, I'm not trying to tell people how they should think. Agree. But for those that you know, uh, look, everybody doesn't have leadership skills, and and some people need to be led. Right. And again, I'm not being uh, cocky enough to think that I can lead anybody, nor am I trying to. But I think that while we're trying to figure this out, we should be careful about the narratives we put out there. Agreed. Now, I'm going to go a little off topic, Agreed. but kind of still on topic. Right. This is what bothers me when I hear black people publicly shit on Obama. What has he done for us? Right. What have they done for us? So let's take Michelle Obama. I had a black girl. I had several black women who would hit me in my DMs and go, so what? That she was the first lady. That's symbolism. What did they really do for us? 
oh, wait a minute. Once upon a time ago, and even still today, black girls have always, black women in particular, have always been made to feel ugly. Nappy hair, dark skin, big lips, wide noses. So to see that kind of cultural symbolism of a black woman like named Michelle Obama, sophisticated, got her shit together, classy, in that position, if that gives some little black girl somewhere in this country hope and makes her feel better, if she's feeling suicidal because her skin is too dark, her nose is too wide, her lips is too big, her hair is too coarse, and she's being made fun of, if Michelle Obama serves as a beacon of light or hope to uplift that child's spirits, to make her not kill herself, to instill some self-esteem, are we that comfortable as black people that we're going to denounce the importance of that symbolism? You're ab- are you- we there? I could not agree with you more. And I think that when people say dumbass shit like yeah. that, what I'll say to them is the most educated segment of the population in the United States of America is black women. Black women. The most entrepreneurial, the most uh, they have the most optimism toward the future. And they have that because they saw something. And I think that when people, it's so selfish, like when I hear people say, what am I going to get if I vote? Or whatever? Things are more than just about you. Things are past you. Legacies are about what you do, not for you and the now, but for, for someone else and the later. And I absolutely agree with you. And I think that where I I am, I'm not formally educated. I'm not, I, I, I don't, there, there are a lot of things, machinations I don't understand, I go through. I think that it is it is foolhardy to believe that, that discourse, that my perspective is the only one that matters and that discourse isn't healthy. I think it is. I think that what you're saying and doing right now is very helpful. And it's decidedly different from who I knew you to be like when we first started out. You're not the same kid you were. So it's hard for me to hear this bullshit from you. But I can tell you this. I can tell you this. I I can tell Paul Mooney would be proud of you. Like I literally, I I can tell that Paul Mooney would be proud of you right now. I'm proud of that nigga, because that <laughs> nigga knows it's freedom time. All of you niggas have been fooled by that goddamn Popeye's All of you niggas stand in line for that sandwich. You've lost yourself. You've lost your way. God damn it. These white folks love it when niggas love it. They love it. Let, let me just say, Dia, and let me just say, again, let me go back to the Obama point, because I've spoken on this passionately and I've caught a lot of shit. Right, you have, folks. right. And I, I almost wish you you would also, and, and, and I hope in this opportunity, you say something. Because again, when we publicly shit on Obama, Absolutely. for the racist yeah. white people that don't like him for the real reason they don't like him, we now give them the Permission. opportunity to go, I think you're absolutely right. His yeah. own people don't like him. So why should I? Knowing that's not the reason you don't like him. So whatever it is, black people, whatever discrepancy, we have with whether with what Obama may have done or not done. Let's keep what going on in our community, like black on black crime in our locker room. I think I think you absolutely. Uh, uh, here's where I, here's where I disagree. I think that the phrase black on black crime is uh, is a symbol of self hatred. I think that is. I agree too. It is. I'm just it is. It, you what it, it is believing that we are somehow deviant. Crime is is about a proximity. People around people kill people around people. In terms of Obama, I don't think we're so fragile. Like, I really believe that America had, a, this is my personal opinion, America never, be, uh, never deserved a man 
who comported himself as well in that office as he has. You can't think of a modern president in the last 40 years that didn't have some level <laughs> of terrible. scandal. He loved this country and the idea of it, and he was aspirational enough to and still does. And so, but, but, but what I take, what I, what I differ from you is my estimation or, or of him doesn't change based on somebody else's circumstances. And there, his, his legacy isn't so fragile that some people not agreeing with it uh, will erode it. He will stand the test of time because he was an exemplary man and did an exemplary thing. There's not one human being that's being objective that can compare his legacy to uh, Donald Trump's legacy and not see a better human being, a you better mean president, president, and a better American. Right. So <laughs> I saw. So, but I think that that those kinds of arguments fall on their face, and they don't necessarily need need me to kind of guide them through it. They don't need me to do it. Well, let me ask you this. And again, sure. this is where I will disagree with you. Sure, sure. They do we are having the, the friendliest disagreement I've ever had. I was ever. about to say. <laughs> they, do, they do need you. A lot of but let me ask it. you, do you think, when, when they go, what did Barack do for us? You, do you think he did uh, did something for us? I think that he agreed? did. I, th I think he did. He passed the most uh, the, 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 the most uh, forward-thinking legislation in, Amer in modern American history, the Affordable Health Care Act. Not only did he do something for us as black people, he did something for the American public. Like the people right now who are dying right now, who are uh, struggling right now and dealing with the very pandemic. That we, he also had the foresight to prepare America for things that weren't even there. So had people followed his example, if, 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 if Donald Trump were trying to destroy, weren't trying to destroy everything Obama did and learn from him, because I think that that's all of us, we, we have an obligation to learn from the people who did it before, we wouldn't be in this pandemic right now. Had he not disbanded some of the things that Obama done, had he not been trying to erode his legacy and, and tried to learn from him. So I think that that, he loved America so much he thought of it not just in the now, he thought of it in the future. He gave America well, you know, life insurance. But you know what, and, also, and you know, listen, but, but from the to very... To the black people that are listening, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you no, off. No, no, it's fine. To the black people that are listening, Obama was the president of the country, not the culture. Absolutely. So, you know, this notion that he was supposed to get up there and just serve as black right. people would have been detrimental to the next black president because it would have fed white people an excuse to go, you see, just like we thought. He's going to look out for just them. I don't, I don't know. Listen, I think he did a spectacular job. I think he's not without his, his foibles. I think he did some things I didn't necessarily agree with, but there's no doubt that he comported himself with decency and respect, and he elevated the office of the presidency. But I don't think this. I'm not one of those cats who watches a black dude do something and owns it. I, like, I don't go, look, he's making us all look bad. I think that we are, we are a, 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 we're not a monolith. We're not one group of people. How can one man speak for a race that got Lil Boosie and Barack Obama? You know what I'm saying? We can't. <laughs> so I just think that we are more we are more resilient than and not as fragile where somebody can say a thing about us. If we can survive slavery, if we can survive Jim Crow, if we can survive the, the passing across the ocean chain together, we can survive people disagreeing and not necessarily understanding our plight. We, we will still be here anyway. That's, that's, that's just my idea. But I think that we are much more resilient than people are necessarily ready to accept. Welcome back to D.L. Hughley Uncut. Still hanging out with Aries Spears. This motherfucker won't leave. He won't leave. <laughs> 
It's a good thing we ain't on broadcast television. We'd have been. <laughs> I, I just got to tell you, I'm very, like, I don't, I think we have uh, one, like, if we're taking a trip to San Francisco and I want to fly and you want to drive, we all still get there. We just take different routes. I, I just am very proud of, 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 of the kind of not only entertainer but human being you evolved to and I definitely understand and appreciate your passion so it's not you know it's just a question of me having a different kind of outlet a different kind of uh, line of sight for you well I appreciate it man I, I, I was going to say uh, back earlier when you said to see where I've evolved how what I've evolved evolved into versus where I was when I first started I remember you and I did a show together it was actually me, you, and Michael Kyle sure. in, in Detroit. And this we were all young. Yeah. I don't think really any of us had too much money. Right. But you certainly had more than me. I was a teenager. Right. And when we landed in Detroit, the first place you wanted to go to was the swap meet and get some rings. <laughs> yeah. I remember you did it buying gold rings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like this thing got money. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> hey, man, I love you. I'm proud of you. You keep up the fight, man. And you keep making Thank people. You, You're going back out on the road pretty soon, right? You got to get out here and see what's happening, huh? Kick the I tires. I hope so, man. You I, will. I hope so, because this quarantine shit is bananas. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I hope so. And, and for the record, let me just say, and I've been saying it to Mike Epps, if he sees this, I got nothing but love and respect for Mike. The last thing I'm trying to do is beef with Mike. And I've always had a very polarizing personality. No, <laughs> not you, nigga, not you. No. Hey, hey, listen, I've been called everything from bitter, angry, to a hater. Uh, that sounds more like Paul Mooney. That sounds more like Paul Mooney. I'm a bitter, angry nigga that's like that shit. <laughs> <laughs> angry! Um, I just have passion and opinions about things. Um, and either I say things that most people want to say, but are too afraid to say, or just the fact that I have an opinion when I'm just supposed to shut up and tell jokes. Uh, rub people the wrong way. Right. So I'm trying to figure it all out. Not me, man. Let me tell you something. I, th that's my argument. I think people are entitled to their perspectives, and they are entitled to have them without being guided or or, 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 or kind of negated or, or poo-pooed or people tell them. I think you're bright. I think you see the world differently than a lot of people, and I think that's why you are who you are. And that's that's why I'm glad you're around, man. I think I, I promise you. I think I think we're we're a better uh, art form because we have young cats like you. Well, not young. You're not young anymore because you got to get a prostate examination like everybody else. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm glad you're still here, man. I love you, man. Thank you for checking I in. Appreciate with it. And as always, people. Thank you. Check out the Spears and Steinberg podcast. DM me on Instagram, and I'll send you the direct link. For sure, man. I'll let you later.